Hi, my name is Jenny Donnelly, and this is Shauna Danberg, and you've joined the Don't Mess With Our Kids podcast hosted by Her Voice Movement. So there are many women from teenagers to grandmothers, and especially those mama bears that are saying enough is enough. The attack on our children has gone too far, Shauna. Absolutely. I know you agree. And many people listening today agree with that. And still they're wondering, what can I do about this? How can I be a godly solution to my community and to my family? And so there is a grassroots movement called Don't Mess With Our Kids that has started right here in America. And you're hearing about it maybe for the first time. There's a couple ways you can engage to be a part of this. You can certainly share this podcast, subscribe, make sure you get the notifications, share it with other people, and mark off this day in your calendar, April 13th, 2024. We are calling for all 50 states to stand in their state capitol. Right. We're going to pray and we're going to stand and we're going to see, I believe, something miraculous happen in all 50 states on the same day. That will launch us into a large corporate event for us to meet in the fall of 2024 in Washington, D.C. We're going to pray. We're going to fast leading up to that time. And we're going to stand for what is right and true to turn America back to God. So the purpose of this podcast is for you and I to get education, to become aware of what's really going on out there. Also yeah. to pray together, to change things from the spiritual aspect first, because that's where things change right. for the better or for the worse. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we need to take our spiritual authority. And then we also want to put action to our prayers and see America turn back to God. So I'm super excited about today's guest because this is super unique, Shauna. We have mm -hmm. Rabbi Jason Sobel. And listen to this. A rabbi. Let's just start there. I know. I am. Exciting. I feel so honored to have him on today. He was raised in a Jewish home in New Jersey. Rabbi Jason Sobel dedicated much of his life to finding truth. He is a Jewish follower of Jesus Yeshua. Isn't that awesome? Rabbi Jason received his rabbinic ordination from the UMJC in 2005 and has a Bachelor of Arts in Jewish Studies and a Master of Arts in intercultural studies. He's the author of several best-selling books. He was sharing this before we went live and they, I just can't wait to get a hold of these, including a book he wrote with Kathy Lee Gifford, The God of the Way. It's a New York Times and USA Today bestseller. But his latest book is Signs and Secrets of the Messiah. We are going to share how to get a hold of this book today. He is the spiritual advisor to the Chosen TV series. Are you serious? That's pretty cool. I cried so many tears. During oh that, goodness. we binged The the Chosen the during best. Christmas. I mean, episode after episode. Ever. Oh, my goodness. And host of The Chosen Unveiled on TVN, his next major release is Mysteries of the Messiah, a 12-part TV series on TVN. Without further ado, let's bring Rabbi Jason on to be with us today. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? Hi, Shalom. It's great to be with you. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. Okay, so we want to jump right into this. How did you get to where you are today, where you call Jesus your Lord and Savior, and yet you are also a rabbi? I love this so much. Tell us a little bit about your background, maybe your upbringing, how how this came to be. Yeah, God's got a good sense of humor. I uh, I grew up in a Jewish family in New Jersey, New York area, 
and had lost most of my family in the Holocaust. So being Jewish was something that was very important. Went to Hebrew school as a child, was bar mitzvah, became a son of the commandments. Uh, as I got older, I got into music, found myself working in a large recording studio in New York City. With a lot of famous people looked at all these rap stars and rock stars. And I said to myself, there has to be more to life than just this. Began a spiritual journey. And on this journey, I was studying with my rabbi, but also got into martial arts and yoga and meditation. And one day, uh, my best friend called me up. He said, Jason, I have found the truth. I was like, what is that? He said, Jesus is Lord and Savior. But if you don't believe in him, you're going to go to hell. And in the end times, it's going to be this beast with all these heads. They're going to eat people who don't believe. He had a zeal. He lacked a little knowledge. <laughs> but, in the, but in the midst of this, I had was meditating one day. My soul began to vibrate. It left my body. I could see my body there, but I went through my roof, through the clouds, into heaven. And I saw this melech, this king in glory and high and lifted up. And I didn't know, I knew that this was Yeshua, that it was Jesus. I knew nothing wow. about Jesus, didn't know much about him, but I knew that that was him sitting on this throne. And I felt the power of God pulsate through every cell of my body. Mm. And he told me I was called to serve him. Next thing I know is down in my body, still shaking under the power of heaven, Ooh. you know, running around going, I'm called to serve him. My mom's like, you're called to serve who were, who were Jewish for goodness sake. Wow. wow. <laughs> and in the midst of this, my friend, John, who had shared with me, you know, about the beast of all the heads, he started to attend a messianic congregation. We're, we're led by a rabbi. Uh, maybe you heard of him, Rabbi Jonathan Kahn. Yes. And, uh, he invited me out. He's, he, he invited me out to a service there and I went with, went there for the first time. And at the end of the evening, they dimmed the lights and played the piano and prayed. I figured I didn't know all the help I can get. They said, if you prayed this prayer for the first time, raise your hand. So I raised my hand. I said, if you raise your hand, will you please stand up? You've just been born again. I had no idea what it meant to be born again, but I knew I gave my mother enough trouble and I was born once. God only knows if I get <laughs> born again, Jewish kids don't get born again. No way. So I thought I was safe because they said the lights were dimmed and no one was looking. But Rabbi John said, Jonathan said, I saw you raise your hand. If you can't stand here for the Messiah, you won't be able to stand for him in the world. And so I realized we weren't going anywhere until I stood up. Wow. They gave me the first New Testament I'd ever seen and uh, took it home. And curiosity got the better of me. I read it for the first time, was blown away. All the Messianic prophecies, how Jewish it was. And what the Lord said to me in that encounter in heaven was actually a verse from the New Testament. One of the things he said, and I was like, okay, he's the one Moses and the prophet spoke of, gave my life to him. God instantaneously transformed my life. And, you know, a week later, I had a friend who was uh, homeless, who got uh, frostbite, gangrene, needed to have both legs amputated, went to the hospital, prayed for him. Uh, he got healed he came to faith and he walked out of the hospital a week later and i was like okay there's power in the name of Yeshua. <laughs> that began my spiritual journey <laughs> okay i have goosebumps on goosebumps wow. here 
I mean, seriously, it brings us back to the times that Jesus encountered us too. And, you know, you, you just, it's an undeniable experience. And I pray that for everybody that's listening right now. I feel like there's people that are listening that are experiencing mm-hmm. his love, maybe even for the first time right now. That is so incredibly powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. So here you were. And you had all this teaching, all this teaching that I didn't have, you know, I didn't, I didn't understand Jewish roots. I didn't understand any of that. Um, But now you've come into revelation of Jesus. You've given your life to him. And did you carry a burden at that point to bridge the two together to really help people understand the revelation? Tell tell us what. Yeah. 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 I mean, that was a long time ago. So <laughs> I came to know the Lord close to almost uh, 30 years ago uh, when I was, uh, you know, but yeah, when I came to faith, it was like, I understood how, how Jewish the new Testament was. And, you know, one of the things that was hard for me growing up and, and when my friends started sharing with me is that I thought Jesus was a nice Jewish boy who converted to became a Roman Catholic because I didn't know any Jewish kids by the name of Jesus or Jesus with mothers by the name of Mary. Uh, You know, when I saw things like, uh, you know, how did the Passover lamb become the Easter ham? It was all kind of strange to me. (laughs) And so I realized that if Jewish people were ever going to embrace Yeshua as the Messiah or more easily embrace Yeshua as the Messiah. He had to be put back into his historical Jewish uh, context. You know, it was kind of like the brothers who came down to Egypt and needed food. And they didn't realize that it was Joseph who was the one giving it to him. And he walked like an Egyptian. He talked like an Egyptian. He was unrecognizably Jewish. It was only the second time they came down that he took off his Egyptian garments, spoke to them in Hebrew, and Neosef, I am Joseph. And they realized, wow, this is our brother. And I think we've made Jesus an Egyptian. We've made him unrecognizable to who he was. I don't think he would recognize the way many people portray him uh, today. But on the other hand, so there's there's a passion for Jewish people to see him in the context, but I also think for every follower of Messiah as well. I mean, part of our passion is to help people go deeper in their understanding of who he is and reclaim, you know, what what's been lost in a sense. So I'll never forget one year I went out right before the Super Bowl and bought a high definition television. Everyone's like, it's gonna change the way you see the game. And I'm like watching the game and this doesn't seem to be that great. And then at the end, I have a revelation. The higher channels are the high definition channels. I watched the whole game in standard definition. And when I saw it in HD, it made it come alive. I think many people are reading the Bible in in standard definition. Wow. And one way to make it go to high definition is to see how the old and the new come together. And Jesus himself said, what can a scribe who understands the kingdom of God be compared to like a householder that brings forth treasures new and old? And too many people have settled for half an inheritance. Many Jews have settled for the old. Many Christians have settled for the new. But the full inheritance is the old and the new coming together. And that's part Mm -hmm. of our passion and mission with our ministry, uh, Fusion Global. 
Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. About 20 years ago, there was a family that um, actually at the church that we went to, they started teaching on Jewish roots. And so they invited us to come to our first Shabbat. <laughs> and it was, uh, I was just crying. I had tears rolling down my face the whole time because it was so full of the presence of God. And I felt the love of the Lord and it was just really special. And we kept doing that for many, many years. We've done it on and off for many years. And so um, I have so much to learn myself, but I am really excited about this uh, bridging of the old and the new together. So one of the things that I really want to dive into today, as we look at what God is doing on the earth through women, and of course, you know, we have this assault on our children and mothers, you know, if anything gets our attention, it's children, it's our children when they are um, in danger, right? And so there's this mama bear rising, these women that are rising. And I want you to speak to what is happening because, you know, I'm just talking from like a natural sense, like, Hey, women are starting to wake up. We're starting to say we need to do right. something, but can you pull the curtain back a little bit and say, well, let me tell you what God's doing behind the scenes here. Yeah. I mean, there's so much to explore. Again, I think this idea of embracing our full inheritance is understanding and coming into alignment with the times and the seasons from a Hebraic understanding and understanding the biblical calendar and understanding the biblical holidays and understanding the biblical year that we've entered into because we've just had Rosh Hashanah, which is the biblical new year. So we've just changed years. We've entered into the year on the Hebrew calendar 5784. Uh, and in Hebrew, that's pay dollar. But to understand the year that we've entered into, to understand the times and seasons we're living into, we have to understand the significance of all this. And so right now on the Hebrew calendar, we are in the decades of the 80s. And 80, and so we have to understand is that Hebrew is alphanumeric. There are no Roman numerals in the Bible. The way that you write numbers is with letters. So if I say, open up your Bible to chapter one, I'd say, open up your Bible to chapter Aleph, because Aleph is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet and has the numerical value of one. So on the Hebrew calendar, the letter that represents 80, the decade we're in, is the letter pay. And so this is the decade of the pay, the decade of the mouth. And so it pays to have a big pay. A <laughs> part of this is that uh, God is wanting his people to find their voice. Come on. And I think this is so important. And I don't think it's any coincidence or any accident that the when we rolled into 5780, it's in 5780 that coronavirus breaks out yeah masks are put forth churches are shut down worship is not allowed to happen in many places even virtually like you're not allowed to be in the same room in like california where i live and so in the decade of the mouth you see there's this attack where they're wanting to muzzle the mouse that's of it. God's people that's right? it the mask was a muzzle right so it started, it started to try and muzzle and, you know, a mask, it's hard to uh, hear someone clearly through the mask. So it's trying to mute the message in a sense. And then it only progresses 
and goes further to ultimately what you see in cancel culture, where it's kind of like, we're not just going to mute the message. We're just going to cancel people. So they don't have a platform to use their pay to get the message out there. Wow. Okay. So this is, this is, this is the context. This is the, the framework in which according to the Hebraic understanding that we're living in now, the pay represents the mouth and we can come back to that, but the pay also represents the coming out of Egypt. And so everything related to the redemption out of Egypt, and and we have a book called Breakthrough, we we talk about the decade in that. But for example, like the bad guy in the Passover story, his name begins with a pay, it's Pharaoh, okay? And Passover begins with the letter pay. Uh, As we said, God shows up to Moses in the burning bush and he says, listen, I want you to go and redeem my people. The word redemption begins with the letter pay in Hebrew. But I want you to go use your mouth, Moses, and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Moses like, I can't go because I'm heavy of speech and slow of tongue. He tells him to use his pay. But Moses like, there's something wrong with my pay. There's no way you can use my pay. You use Aaron somebody else, right? (laughs) <laughs> and what's interesting is how old was Moses when God spoke to him? What was his age? 80 years old, the numerical value of mouth in the decade wow. that in. So in his 80th year, which is the letter A, the mouth, God tells him, go use your mouth. Okay. But he thinks, oh man, surely he can't. I mean, there's so much more. Pay is the letter of breakthrough in Hebrew. So it's breaking forth out of Egypt. So Egypt in Hebrew represents the box. It, well, Hebrew, Egypt in Hebrew is Mitzrayim. Comes from the word sar, which means a place of distress, a place of confinement, a place of narrowness, a place of restriction. So Egypt represents those places that try and limit, box in, and constrict wow. you to strangle the life out of you. And this is exactly what we see going on in our world today, right? Yeah. The pharaohs, the world powers, uh, want to put people into bondage, put people into slavery, restrict them, put them in the box. Pharaoh is is, is can Pharaoh's name can literally mean payro, like uh, evil speech. He used lies and manipulation uh, to enslave the people. Wow. Right. And this is everything that we see going on today. Egypt is kind of a paradigm or a or, or, or a glimpse of what was to come. So there's a lot that we could say, but God's calling us out of Egypt. He does not want us to remain enslaved. He does not want us to remain in the lies. He doesn't, you know, and that's the thing. Slaves have no voice, right? Slaves are not to be heard. They, are, they can be seen, but they're not to be heard as long as they're serving and fulfilling their role that the master wants them to play. And so again, Egypt is a place where you don't have a voice, where you don't have a pay. And that's why everything related to the redemption is about the pay, the mouth, right? To celebrate the Passover, you have to tell the story every year, use your mouth. God says to the children of Israel, you know, go to Paris, say, shlach et ami, let my people go that they may worship me. So he's saying, listen, Egypt didn't want to hear your voice, but you know what? Uh, I want to hear your voice. 
I want to hear you worship and praise me. I want you to know your voice matters and I'm going to help you find your voice. You're no longer a slave. Okay. Wow. But you're going to find that you have power and authority in your voice. So Rabbi Jason, bring, bring us kind of into the piece where the women are part sure. of the puzzle. Like Absolutely. bring that into this. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's go That's there. Going. So there's, there's several things, right? Number one, we have to understand from the Jewish perspective, it's the rabbis say, Israel was redeemed out of Egypt in the merit of righteous women. Okay. Yeah. So what does that mean? Well, when you think about the whole coming out of Egypt, really the men have very little to do with it. You have, you have, the midwives who were saving the children. Yeah. You have Miriam, Moses' sister, who's watching over him as he's placed in the Nile. Moses is saved from the decree to kill all the Jewish babies by Pharaoh's daughter, Bacha, an Egyptian woman who saves his life and takes him in and raises him in Pharaoh's house. It ultimately helps him become the leader that, that he is. Okay. And there's three that bring Israel out of Egypt. It's not just Moses. It's Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. And Miriam is the first to praise God when the water um, parts, right? So women played, and we can go even more into it, but women played a foundational role in the survival, in the redemption. They made it possible for the redemption to occur. Wow. And then this fast forwards into the New Testament, where at the cross, it's only the women disciples and John. So, and it's a woman who's the first to recognize the resurrection of the Messiah, Mary. And so women, both in the redemption from Egypt and in the greater Exodus, which came through Jesus, our Passover lamb, women also played a foundational role. And there's a principle that the end is going to look like the beginning. So women played a foundational role at the Exodus, and they've played a foundational role in the ministry of Jesus, especially not only supporting it, but his death and resurrection. The first one to pronounce the good news was a, was a woman, right, that he had risen. Then obviously, as we approach these latter days, these end days, women have a central role to play. And so this year on the Hebrew calendar is the year of the open door. Four in Hebrew, 5784, literally means door. God is opening doors that no man can shut. And one of the doors that he is opening is a door for women to play this key role in the redemption, in the transformation of culture. And 5784 is not just the year of the open door. It's specifically in many res in regards, an open door for women. Because when you think about the number four, four is a critical number connected to women. So for example, when you think about the foundation of God's people, you have three patriarchs, but you have four matriarchs. There's four mothers of mm -hmm. the faith. So four represents Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah. 
these are the four mothers that birthed the 12 tribes of Israel that are still revered today. So four is connected to spiritual mothers and wow. biological mothers. So God is in this year of 5784, God is raising up the biological mothers. He is raising up the spiritual mothers wow. because he needs them to birth salvation and revival at this time and at this season. When you think about four, not just four mothers, because as we said, we got to understand everything that's founded in the old is also going to find a fuller fulfillment in the new. This is why you need the old and the new. So if you got the four matriarchs in the in the birthing the Hebrew people, Jewish people, right? Then you got to find that in the New Testament. So where do you go? You go to the Matthew genealogy, Matthew's genealogy. Jewish genealogies did not have women in it in the first century. But here in Matthew's genealogy, there are four women from the Old Testament in the genealogy. Again, wow. number four, because it takes man and woman. And, and what those four women have in common is that they're all Gentiles, number one. And number two, they all have questionable past, right? You have uh, Tamar, who dresses up as a harlot, but she's actually more righteous than Judah. We can get into these women if we want. Then you have Rahab, who is actually called Rahab the harlot, almost every time she's referred to in the Old Testament. And then you have um, you have Rahab, you have you have Ruth is the next one, the Moabite, who is you know gives birth great grandmother of King David, and then you have Bathsheba. So you have, you know, all these women, all of them, you know, connected to some sort of questionableness that happens, least likely to be used. Yeah. And yet their, their role as women was key to birthing the line of the Messiah and moving the promise of redemption forward, even so much so that, you know, if it wasn't for, for example, Tamar dressing up as a harlot and having relationships with Judah, there'd be no line of Judah, right? Because right? right. he comes from that line. That's right. And so in a sense, uh, Tamar was more righteous and was more focused on the promise than even Judah was. Wow. Wow. And these are the women that God is raising up in this season. So- what I want everybody to hear that's listening to this is to catch a hold of this truth yeah. of God choosing to use women yeah. who say, but I got this past, but I, you know, went left here when I should have gone right. I, I wasn't raised in the church. I wasn't, you know, I'm just not qualified to be one of those people. And I, and I think, you know, it's, unfortunate. And maybe this is what we're doing to help turn this around. But there's a lot of women who are looking to somebody else to do something great. Right. Like, Hey, maybe that influencer, maybe she'll turn things around. Maybe, you know, somebody will take the stage and, and really just, you know, turn this thing around. And, and what I'm hearing is God wants to use the least likely person, the person that um, would probably disqualify themselves in this time. So, 
this, this is so encouraging. I have so many notes. This is, this is incredible. So where do you see, where do you see the Mordecai's right now? You know, we obviously, for those who've read the book of Esther, we know that, you know, it could have been easily called the book of Mordecai, but it wasn't, it was called the book of Esther. As we watched Esther, I, I guess what I see is a bow and arrow. And I see that Mordecai, the men right now are the, are the bows and the arrows are the women being shot out. And when an archer releases an arrow, no one stays looking at the archer. You, your eyes follow the arrow. And that's kind of like the book of Esther. You just kind of follow her through the story. Um, where do you think, you know, first and foremost, women need to use their voices. This is, this is just, you know, yeah, real obvious right here. But how are we working with the men in this time? And I'm going to call them Mordecai's. What does this look like for the men right now? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think this idea of the year of the open door is so important to understand on several levels. One, I think the open door can be God saying, listen, I've opened the door for you to open your mouth. Mm. Wow. Don't keep your mouth, your door shut. Wow. Because, okay. because, a, because a door rep, look, if a door is closed, you never get to know, you never get to enter in, right? If someone doesn't open their mouth, you never get to know who they are. If someone doesn't let you in their home or let you in their life, if they, again, on, on, a, on a symbolic level, if you shut the door, you're shutting someone out, right? Yeah. You're, you're closing something off. And so too many people have, you know, because of fear, because of insecurity, because of past hurts, because of rejection, because of, for, for many different reasons, a lot of times it's like, the disciples who locked themselves behind the door in the upper room, right? God, you know, fear will cause you to lock yourself away and throw wow. away the key, right? Wow. And that's what almost Esther did. She was like, listen, if I go before the king and the scepter is not extended, I can lose my life. So this, this is like a dangerous thing, right? But of course, Mordecai said to her, listen, you know, Perhaps God has raised you us up for such a time as this. And if you don't intervene, help will, will come from somewhere else, but you and your father's house will perish. So because Esther was willing to open her mouth and made that decision, God literally opened the door to the palace, opened the door to the heart of the king to transform and change the situation and, and save God's people. And so I think that's in part what God wants to do, but specifically in relationship to Mordecai is that Esther never would have stepped into her destiny if Mordecai did not encourage her and push her into that's her right. destiny. That's exactly. And so I believe at this time in this season, there's what I refer to as the Mordecai mandate. Mm, come on. There is a Mordecai mandate for men to empower and to help encourage women like Mordecai did to, for Esther to enter into the fullness of their destiny for such a time as this. It was a woman who moved the heart of the king and changed the destiny of a nation through her voice. And women are going to play that central key role today as well. Yeah. Wow. He had to use his pay. 
Yeah, <laughs> you sure did. Now, what would you say to a pastor or a leader, a male leader right now? And, and how would this look? Let's say he has a congregation. Um, how is he going to encourage women right now? What does that look like in practical terms? Just maybe some examples. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I, I think there's a number of different ways. I think we have to give women an op again. So I think part of what we have to understand is this, let's go back to creation for a minute. God creates man in his, and we usually say, oh, man is created in God's image. But that can be a little confusing if you don't listen to, if you don't give the whole text. Man and woman are created in his image. That's right. That means man alone does not reflect the image of God. Woman alone doesn't reflect the image of God. It's man and woman together that fully reflect the nature of God, the character of God, the image of God. So I say that to say this is that if you only have male voices from the platform, mm -hmm. there's an aspect of God that is not being revealed the full image of who he is. Yeah. If if Messiah came to reverse the curse, it's one of the reasons why he hung on the tree, right? Man stole from the tree. God puts back on the tree for you and me to undo the curse. Part of the reason why his side was pierced is because Eve was taken from the side. He's making an atonement, not just for Adam, but also for Eve. And so he's restoring that relationship and that role of Adam and Eve to work together, to be together in partnership. That's part of the reversing of the curse and the coming of the kingdom. And what that means is that I think pastors need to find ways to give women voice in the congregation to share a woman's perspective on who God is, on the scripture, on parenting, on all these other leaders. Women should be empowered to have small groups. Women should be empowered to lead in prayer and to lead uh, in worship. But but I think it's I think it's even more than that because that's like to me the minimum because I think we get so focused on church where our mission is not in the church. Our mission is out to the world. It's Come not on. inward. It's outward. That's right. right. So like the church is really like the leader of a community is meant to really be a coach. Right. Yeah. And too many times the leader, too many times the leader becomes the rock star. Right. Come and watch me do my thing. OK, but really the leader is meant to be a coach which is to say, hey, let me empower you and encourage you to get in the game. There you go. And so we need to encourage women as much as possible. Hey, get in the game. H how are you going to get in the game, you know, in the school system, in, in government, in business, in media, in, in politics? So and good. so I think really the probably maybe the more important thing is how are we empowering women to pursue their greater calling, their greater dreams and their greater destiny and saying, look, you can do this and we're going to be here to encourage you. We're going to be here uh, to lift up your arms when you get tired. We're going to be here to find ways uh, to help you fulfill the role that God has for you uh, for such a time as this. But I think it begins by saying, 
look, you have a role, you have a voice, your voice is important. There's a calling on your life. That calling is as important as any guy's calling. Okay. And we're going to champion you and cheer you so that you can see that come to pass. Wow. That's incredible. As you're describing that, I'm thinking about how a family unit operates. You know, my husband and I carry different pieces, but our kids need these, these pieces that we are not the same in. Right. But I think most people would agree that a father gives something to the kids that the mother maybe doesn't and vice versa. And that is a real image of God himself coming in as a nurturer and being tender, but also disciplinarian as a covering, as a provider and a protector. The other thing that I want to point out, and I told my husband this, and I've told Lou Engle this and other men that other men, they're Mordecai's in my life. And I've said, you know, um, when women get together and we can, we can get excited about showing up somewhere. We're like, Hey, God's going to be there. We should be there. It's going to be awesome. We don't want to miss out, you know, whether it comes to standing in the capitals or in Washington, DC or whatever. Um, but when a man steps in and says, Hey, listen, you need to use your voice you must go, you must do this. This is your time, Shauna. This is your time, Jenny. And what if you, what if this is the reason, one of the many reasons, but what if, what if this is a significant reason that God has put you on this earth to do this right now? You know, my husband has sent me texts that says you're made for this, Jenny. When I'm like, man, pray for me, Bob. You know, he's like, you're made for this. And, um, this is, this is my take on it is a woman, a woman goes from like a female, like a, you know, warrior gang, which is pretty powerful to now I'm, I've been commissioned and now I'm on mission. I'm like checking in for duty. When a Mordecai says to me, Jenny, you better go, Jenny, it's time. No longer are we in the girl party thing anymore. We're in a military battleground. I'm going to war. And something in me says, this is what I was made to do. It's just completely different. It's like authorization happens for me to be fully fierce, fully feminine in that time and to do what God's brought me to do. And, you know, women, we have, we, we have war, you know, I guess the word warrior and woman is the same. You can maybe teach a little bit more about that, but, um, we, there is a warrior inside of us. And so for the men to step in and desire that and pull that warrior out of us, I believe is going to, um, you know, be an answer. You know, I don't, I think women for a long time have felt like a problem, especially in the church. We're kind of in the way and, okay, don't, don't like be outspoken and don't have too many opinions and kind of scoot them over here. And I don't, I don't want to, you know, make anybody here feel shame that's in some type of church leadership. We have a church, you know, but um, I will say I stood on platforms of 10, 20, 25,000 people in an arena for business And man, people in that crowd, they were pulling on you. Like you better give us everything you got. You could feel it. And then I got into ministry and I began to speak on stages of maybe a hundred people in a room. And I could just feel this thing that was like, you know, you should probably just sit down. Nobody cares. Okay. That's a little too much. Okay. You need to dial it back. Nobody was saying that, but it was a spiritual thing. And, um, I just, I just want to relate to women out there who, you know, I can imagine right now that women are actually, after what you said, are are tearing up right now, if not just having, um, just being overcome right now, that there is a man saying that we celebrate you, we want you, 
You're not a problem. You are an answer in this time. And so um, let's do this. We have more to talk about. So let's go to the next episode. But first, would you pray for us, Rabbi Jace? Would you pray for the women out there? I think that we've touched a pretty tender place in women's hearts. And I think they're feeling um, relief and empowerment right now. So if you pray for us, that'd be amazing. Yeah, Abba, I just want to thank you for all the women that are here with us. I want to thank you that they have an important voice, that you've given them a message, that you've spoken to them, that you have raised them up for this moment in history. There's a reason why they're living now and not at another time. It's because you want to use them in a significant way. And I want to pray that you would open the doors to their heart, that you'd open the doors to their mind, that they would say, yes, that is me. And and I want to pray, God, that you would just encourage them, that you would just strengthen them, that you would just lift them up, and that this is the time where God is opening the door for you as a woman to be a spiritual pioneer, to be an Esther, to be one of the matriarchs, one of the spiritual uh, mothers and foundations of the faith. And I just want to ask God, strengthen them in you, raise them up as Esthers in this moment for such a time as this. And I pray that the men in their lives would be Mordecai. They don't need permission. But I pray, God, that they would have the encouragement and the strength and support. We all need that around us. And I pray, God, that they would have it around them. In Yeshua, Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. I can't wait to have you on the second episode. God bless you. Thank you so much for being here. Okay, everybody. Here's what we're going to do next. I'm going to give you a couple action steps. The first one is this, is that you can learn more about Don't Mess With Our Kids, this grassroots movement, the whole vision, where it started, where it came from, where we're headed. And I want to invite you to get on a live Zoom with myself and other amazing people. And we do this every single Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And you can also catch the replay at the same link. That's don'tmesswithourkids.us slash live. Don't mess with our kids.us slash live. Also, we want to make sure that you have marked it on your calendar, April 13th, 2024, to go stand in your state capitol. You'll be praying with people. You'll be receiving communion together. And we believe that there is going to be change happening through yeah. you. Load up the That's cars, right. load up the buses, load up the vans, get yeah. your family there, and let's do this on one historical day, April 13th, 2024. And then that will launch us into the fall of 2024, standing together, praying mm-hmm. together in Washington, D.C. A historical moment. It's going to be historical. I think it's going to go down in history. I think the devil's going down. That's what I think is going to happen. I think it's going to be a dog pile. I want you to just see it right now that we just come from all 50 states. Even other nations are going to stand with us and dogpile the enemy. I don't think this is one of those things where God's just going to put his finger on five or six amazing people and say, go do this. And we all watch and applaud them, change the nation. I think this is a time where God is calling people who may never have a platform and the ones that do have one. And he's asking us to get in the game, just like Rabbi Jason said, get in the game. So thank you so much for being with us. We are going to be calling an Esther immersion. It'll be a one year 
prayer guide. We'll have more information about that in the show notes and we'll do something amazing together. Thank you so much for being with us and we'll catch you next time.